Hi guys and welcome to the Being Alive podcast, a weird weekly podcast from an even weirder boy. If you haven't already, make sure to check us out on Instagram at the underscore being underscore alive underscore podcast and make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi guys, and thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode at the Being Alive podcast. Um, this week, we have a very, very great episode lined up for you guys this week. I'm so excited that we managed to even have this take place. I'm so excited that our guest said yes, like I still can't get over that. And you guys are really in for a treat this week. This week, we're joined by a young person um, a person who, you know, normally when you speak to 19-year-olds, you don't expect them to have lived out every eight-year-old's dream by bringing a Jacqueline Wilson book to life. But in this case, um, our guest has just gone and done that. Um, he's, like, amazing, so talented, such a convincing actor. Um, really, really, really good and really talented. And what you can also pick up from, like, this whole process of meeting him is that he's generally one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. Um, so it's Deshaun Anderson, everyone. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. On my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. So, um, first thing I sort of want to get into is that, well, most people would know you from playing the character of Gideon Sneed on the, um, television adaptation of Hetty Feather. Yeah. Um, starts in 2015 and then the show season six wrapped up in 2020. Um, so, I mean, it's fairly obvious to say that your sort of industry you, you worked in or you're most known for working in is children's television and child acting. Definitely. So one thing that I just want to get into is on the show, we have something that we refer to as the group assault moment. Um, and what that is, is basically, what moment did you realize, this is what I want to do? When did you realize that, you know, this whole acting thing, yeah, this is what I want to do, this is, what, this is something that I want to pursue. What was that That's moment That's a really like? good question. And I'm wondering if that <laughs> came before, it possibly could have come before Hetty Feather. No, I'm lying. It did come on Hetty Feather. <laughs> I think it came oh, on... Oh, did it? Yeah, it came on the first day, I think, because this was... The first thing I'd done where it was, I was majority working with children. Previously, I'd been adults mm. and one of the only children, so it wasn't as fun. And it was a bit more strenuous and hard working. But on Hetty, I was surrounded by so many fantastic actors around my age. And I realized, no, this this could be fun <laughs> this could be this could be very fun meeting some brilliant people that you know try to keep in contact to this to this day and i i think i was i was quite young so i didn't take it as seriously i was still sort of riding the wave still just yeah having fun in a way so if I've done my maths correctly, which I'm hoping that I've done, you would have been around 14 or 13 or 14 when you started the show. I believe I started 
I wanted to. I believe I started the day after my 14th birthday. 14th, great. Yeah. So you were, let's say that's that's year eight, year nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, the first question that comes to mind is that as a 14 year old or as a 13 year old, when you would have started getting into um, the show and the audition process. What specifically drew you to such a project like this? It's a, it's a Jacqueline Wilson book. Um, and what, as a 14-year-old boy, usually that isn't um, the sort of status quo, but what did you feel um, drew you specifically to this project? Well, I think the name Jacqueline Wilson alone. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment. It does. Yeah, that was brilliant. The moment I was told it was her project I think I'd instant I'd ne- I'd, honestly I'd never read Hetty Feather but I'd grown up with you know like Tracy Beak and millions of her other books so I was like no I, I've got to go for this one this one seems very very important to me and it was it was it was quite hard in a way for like finding out like filming time stuff like that but I said I, I have to like I really have to get this this is a very very good job that it was basically i was getting paid to relive my younger childhood (laughs) and i i loved that and it was brilliant so it wasn't very hard in choosing and doing this job at all or even going for it should i say Mm. wow so (laughs) like and what's even better is that you loved the the job the project so much and then you landed the job which is like amazing what's even better than that is that um you know you're working on such a big project you're working on a book that hundreds of children would have read um around their childhood um do you feel like there was some sort of pressure in sort of approaching such a role like Gideon Speed in such a big franchise because this is like like you just said earlier anything with like Jacqueline Wilson could come up with, I don't know, a different version of the ABCs and that book would become a bestseller, you know? Like, she's just, she's just got that sort of magic touch where everything she writes just becomes like an initial success. So what about like, do you feel any pressure because this is something that so many people would have read and I know that sometimes when, a lot of the time people will read a book or see a film or then see a television adaptation over it and then have your thoughts and feelings because this is like this isn't this is a Jacqueline Wilson book this is a really really big project did you feel like any pressure you know approaching the role and approaching the project honestly not really but I think it was because oh. I was quite naive I was sort of just going with the flow <laughs> not realizing yeah. how huge this was I think maybe it was after the first season and the response it got and the reviews and everything, I realised, oh, no, wow, no, people actually know this book. A lot of people, <laughs> they really know yeah. this book. Because um, I hadn't actually personally read this series, so I didn't expect it to be as big as it was. It was only when people were telling me, oh, no, I, I grew up reading this book. I know it cover to cover. I know the series. I thought, oh, wow, okay, no. I'm kind of glad I've already finished filming this bit now, otherwise I would have been sweating every single day. Because mm, it's it's honestly like, 
it's such a big the whole Jack and Wilson franchise is such a big sort of deal because I remember very specifically, and I'm sure I've told you about this, but when I met when my team and I put together the list for the second season, and I said, I have this really crazy idea. Why don't we try and get Dacian Anderson from Heads and Feather on the show? And they were like, Ooh, you sure this is gonna happen? Are you sure this is gonna happen? I said, you know, let's just try. And I remember very specifically the afternoon where I texted them and I said, we've got a collab. And they couldn't believe that. And I just feel like, honestly, like they couldn't, like I was just talking to some of them yesterday that, oh yeah, by the way, I have to record this episode today. And they, they just still couldn't believe it. And I just think it's like, it's so many examples like that when you sort of realize that this is, and this is a really, really big deal. Um, and, you know, on the back of that, something I wanted to sort of dive into a little bit is that you're 14, you're in secondary school. How on earth did you balance work? Oh, so, as well as keeping on top of school life and transitioning and all of that I stuff. I think that was the, one of the biggest problems because I missed, let's say just for the first season, mm. I think I missed about a month and a half of school maybe a bit more so it wasn't too a, bad a month and a yeah, half it wasn't too <laughs> bad but we had shooters on set which we had to okay. legally do but the problem being you have one shooter and a million kids and that's the problem and uh, like you, when you're trying to be on set for certain time you can only be on set for a certain amount of times a day when you're under 16 and you have to yeah. legally get amount of work done, but you may not have that amount of time within that week. So you're cramming in as much as possible, trying to push in 15 minutes of mass here to do two hours on <laughs> it, it was It was very hard, it was hard. But at the same time, it was, it sort of, I want to say it was the fun of it. It, it, beca- it becomes normality anyway after a while. You sort of get used to yeah. rushing with your textbook somewhere or having a, I don't know, a teacher assignment ready at hand at any moment to jump straight into the classroom and straight back onto set. So it was it's, it was part of that, that lifestyle where it was you're on the job constantly and you just did it. You didn't really complain. You just did it because you're on a hey ever set. You should be very happy. Just do it. <laughs> but I mean, did it sort of help that you were all like there? Were, there were lots of children involved in this project. Did it sort of help that you were all in this world together? I think, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. And especially because this was for most of us, it was our first major project. So we was all mm-hmm. sort of in a similar boat. We all lacked certain understanding. We were all learning were going on so it was definitely having mutuals on set you live together you work together it, it helped a lot it made life a lot easier because previously i'd just been with adults really and as much as it was fun it mostly <laughs> were just with adults and you sort of went off to the side of your chaperone so but this one it was you was all together 24-7, learning on the job, and it just made it a lot easier, in a way. Mm. So, I think a little bit more about the show, um, and context for you guys listening at home. So, the show picked up in season one. Well, no, I take that back. The book was published in 2009. <laughs> um, the premise of 
an orphan um, arriving at the Foundling Hospital um, with her, not biological brother, no, with her essentially brother, um, Gideon Smead, who you played. Um, and then in, I think, season three, which, which would have been around 2017? Something um, like that. Is that right? 2017? Something like 2017, that. 2017, yeah. yeah. Um, Hetty and Gideon and Sheila and all of these characters go over to Calendar Hall, um, which wasn't in the original yes. book, either yes. in book one or book two. So that was something that was sort of new and a bit refreshing because lots of people wouldn't have been expecting that. Um, so what do you think the response was like when you sort of were like, here's this amazing classic, let's just add some more context on top of that. <laughs> it was a shock because we found out, we got this, we, we don't get all the scripts at once within a season. We get them per oh. episode, yeah. So we, I think we got the first three episodes and then a following yeah. three. And so then we got to after, I think it was the eighth episode or something like that. And it was sort of a shock because we were like, um, this seems like an ending. This this seems <laughs> like a goodbye. It was very, it was a, it was a shock because we weren't, we weren't uh, pre-warned. So, but it was, as you said, it was very refreshing because it, it came down to a very brilliant writer um, Helen Blakeman alongside Jack and Wilson mm -hmm. both coming together both analysing the books seeing the direction it could go in and trying to adapt it for television it was it was it was like she was writing again sort of thing so it was mm -hmm. it was beautifully done and beautifully executed so even though it was a huge shock to the system huge it was, I think, a brilliant, brilliant idea, to be honest with you. Because we yeah. didn't even expect it. I think you guys definitely, the fans weren't <laughs> going to expect it at all. And I think what was so good about that is, you know, a lot of the time when shows try and stretch out the plot, you're like, mm, where is this going? Where? Why? Where? <laughs> this isn't necessary. How? Do we need to really stretch out? And then what I love so much about that is a lot of the time television, especially when it's being lengthened for a couple of seasons, feels forced. But that didn't. It just it just flowed so nicely and it made sense. I think yeah. I think, and it I think really, what it did. I think it no, really no, you're did you're help in regards to because we had an, a brilliant original cast. And then it, it yeah. helped that the cast that was to follow wasn't just a shock. Because sometimes shows, you know, you have a goodbye and then you have this whole new cast by the next day. It it was very hard. And it's that, like, that why was, are you here? Yeah, it, it seems very forced. It, it, it doesn't really blend. Now you got to fall in love with these characters all over again. It's like, uh. But originally, they sort <laughs> of eased our way into the new characters and the new house. and. It was a very good storyline, emotional, so many adventures happening in that episode. So there was so much happening that eased you into it and made you look forward to the oncoming episodes. And it was only the new um, new cast member were only within the last two episodes, something like that. So, yeah. 
it, it, it helped not just having a whole season randomly just pushed in your face unexpectedly mm-hmm. of just this new cast and unknown faces. It's been like nothing short of amazing. Um, I think you mentioned the cast earlier and I also really wanted to talk about that. Now, you know, when you approach Hattie Pether, yeah. not only is the show amazing, it's just that this show has been cast so well. And not only, it wasn't until like, um, I was researching and I did a bit of work that I realized how good this cast is. Like, it was a talented Eva cast. Hope, who plays. Honestly, everyone, it, like, again, like we were talking about, like, shows being forced. Everyone just fits their characters so well. Um, someone who I really want to talk about, actually, is Eva Pope, who played oh, Matron Bottomley. Who was also, and I didn't realize this until, like, research. She was, she played um, Rachel Manson, the head teacher from Waterloo Road. Road. That's like, yeah. that's like, that's like television, like gold. She was royalty. She is royalty, should I say. It was brilliant. We'd all grown up watching that. I remember, I think it would have been 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. I used to watch Waterloo Road every single time. <laughs> so when we found out, I was like, it's Rachel. <laughs> it's Rachel. Your name's not Eva to me, your name's Rachel. I couldn't believe it. But she... And what is so good is that she... she played a horrible I'm... character. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just said she played a horrible character. But she is <laughs> lovely. And it's, it was so hard at first to sort of get your head around it. Because she'll be speaking to you casually, you know, oh, how's your day been? It's been... Da-da-da-da-da-da. And then action, and it's just in your face screaming at you you're like this isn't right <laughs> something here is wrong but she uh executed perfectly she is and i think because she has so much experience in the field and she helped us a lot as well any confusion you could ask her and she would just drop you gems so it was, she's fantastic and i mean we can't talk about the cast and not mention your sort of leading lady, Isabel Clifton, yeah, who plays Hetty, and she's so good. She's and that she was is so that good. Was her first ever role. That's crazy. And it was, it was what crazy. a way to start! What a brilliant way to start. The Hetty Feather. <laughs> that was a like how many people get to say that was my first role? One, <laughs> one person. <laughs> and her name is Isabel Clifton. No, but she and she and honestly. She is my little sister. She, because we both started, and she, she started mm. new. I only had maybe one or two roles beforehand, small roles, nothing, you know, of this um, scale. So working alongside someone like her as well, who I'm still in contact with to this day, it was just, oh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. She, she's talented to another level. Absolutely talented. I, I think it takes 100%. a special type of character to pull off someone like Hetty Feather, someone who's just so out there and in your face and up to no good 24-7. <laughs> Only someone like her could pull that off and she did it beautifully. 100%, honestly. like, And she's so convincing as well. Oh, and yeah. what it is, is I feel like for a character like Hetty Feather, when lots of people um, like envisaged, because a lot of the time when you read a book, you have you know, preconceived notions of what the character will be like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. act like, and look like. And Isabel was just everything and a whole lot more. I, th- I really think 
she brought Hattie Seven to life. I really think, yeah, because and that uh, she had as much as they had a vision, she had a, mm-hmm. a fair level of freedom to sort of explore yeah. her own way in which because she had read the book, she knew how Hattie came across in her mind and a baseline for everyone else, but she had the freedom to sort of push certain boundaries, which is is quite hard as a how old would she have been? 11-year-old. That's not easy. So... No, not at all. I once again applaud her for what she did. I applaud her because Hetty Feather's not an easy character. Especially one that people have grown up almost their whole lives reading and sort of already having an idea of how she is. Yeah. Honestly, like I could literally talk about like all of the amazing characters, like in, and I think so. Something that I'd like to talk about actually is that this cast um, feels. I mean, one of the big themes in Hetty Feather as well is this idea of family, and not only is like family by blood, but the family that you choose to make. Um, yeah. And like, for instance, Gideon and Hetty aren't biologically related, but I, but I feel like you and Isabel do so well especially when you're portraying those characters, it literally feels like you guys are like the closest people in the world. Um, and how do you feel like a theme like family, why do you think that something like family is so important uh, in children's television, but also in something like Hattie Uh I think it's more during, well, especially when it, let's say when it started and even now, there's no longer the traditional sense of what a family is. It's no longer just mm. nuclear families, the mum, the dad, the son, the daughter. So to be able to be in something that pushed a different sense of what family was, having two people who are not related by blood, not in, even of the same ethnicity, um, but were still joined to the hip, I think it was extremely important because well, a lot of kids are growing up. You're seeing that on TV. You're going to see something that that may mm. be your household, something that you, you know, can connect to, something you feel as though you're living, or maybe your neighbours living that as a kid you didn't even understand, but now you understood. And it, I think it because a lot of shows we watch change and shape our perceptions growing up. So I think it was it was very important to show on a, on a CBBC children's show how other families can be formed and the troubles that can go mm. along with certain families. So I think very important factor, which was underplayed, I, I didn't myself didn't even realise how important that was growing up and performing in the role. But now I've gotten older, I've, I've been able to, you know, deep the importance of it because it, mm. I don't think I, I would have seen a lot of representation for certain things when I was a bit younger, or maybe just a bit before me. So I think it was definitely, definitely extremely important to show kids the vast, basically how vast families can be nowadays. And honestly, like, I really loved what you said. You, like, mentioned what I think is, like, literally becoming my favourite word of all of 2020. And that word is representation. Um, for those of you guys listening at home, but I'd also like you guys to go and check out, right off the back of this is Season 1, Episode 9. Um, which is, I think, 
speak up, which is when we're talking about culture and representation, how important that is. Um, and I think something that I think is really important that I really want to ask you about is, like you were saying, it's important that children see um, characters that look like them and sound like them on screen. And what really bugs me, and I'm not sure if this is something that bugs you as well, is it to me it sort of doesn't make sense when why on earth would you create characters that aren't representative of your audience? Yeah. Like it to me, that just feels like there's something wrong. And that was that was the majority of our childhood, even kind of still continuing now in a less extent. Mm. It, it I, I don't know. It never made sense to me. But then, in the same way, the writers usually behind the scenes were the same. They're all the same, mm. normally of an older generation because it was harder for those younger to get such big roles straight away. Normally of an older generation, kind of a rigid mindset. So it, it kept on happening every show. Mm. Different storylines, different characters, but the same effect. It wasn't much representation. Same problem. Yeah, it, 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 it was constantly happening. Or if it was, it was very stereotypical. So I think that was the problem when you make characters and sort of instantly attune them to a certain race. That's the problem. Mm. And I think yeah. I was I was very happy to be part of a role as Gideon Smead that wasn't just a, a black... They didn't think we need to find a black person for this role. This was a role that was yeah. created. Oh my God, yeah. And it just happened that I was black, which I thought was brilliant because every, I think every FSD went for that role. It wasn't just, mm. all right, we're going to have every character here, a certain character. I think the main one's Caucasian. We're going to have one person, Gideon, find a nice young black boy for this role. And that, that, that'll, round, <laughs> you know, that'll round up the show kind of thing. It didn't happen. It sort of, it mixed, it went well. Whoever was suitable for that role got that role essentially, which and I think it was brilliant because then he wasn't he wasn't trapped by any stereotypes. You wouldn't have seen a black boy. I think it's based in the late eighteen hundreds. You wouldn't have seen a young black boy alongside all these white children playing, no playing you know, happy family. It wouldn't have happened. So I think that's another reason why I'm very thankful towards the casting directors for. Hefty Feather, they really put insight into this and didn't overplay it. Yeah, and I also think that also on the back of that is that I think it's important that we realise that I think for a lot of children when they would have read um, like specific characters and I also think just because of how system work, systems work, people would have read certain characters and would have, would have in their mind assumed them to have looked a particular way. Yeah. And what I so much loved about this show is that it was like, well, you know, we're going to cast people because they're right for the character, not because they look a certain way. Exactly. And I think what you were saying about how they didn't cast cast according to ethnicities, because I think what you have when you do that a lot of the time in television is you'll have someone playing a role just because they look a certain way. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And it's like, well, what value are you adding? Why are you here? <laughs> um, and I feel like with a show like Hetty, it was, it was done in a way where these characters and these people were there and you were playing a character like Gideon not because you looked a certain way because 
I'm trying not to go on a rant here. But sometimes when you have the discussion about things like representation, especially on children's television, what you end up having is that, you know, you almost have a sense of tokenism where someone is granted a role or people are saying, yeah, we need to have a role with diversity. Yeah, so because yeah, of that, we're going to yeah. push as many black people or as many ethnicities into the show. Exactly. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't work. And other times you try and do that, it's like, well, what real representation looks like is when you have characters playing roles and their ethnicity isn't a part of the conversation. Yeah. Sort of got similar. I think let's pause with the interviews for a little bit and I want us to play a little game. So, okay. how this works is it's a thing on the show we have called Myth Busting Corner. Um, and how Myth Busting Corner works is we're going to sort of debunk a few myths or popular ideas that sort of surround a particular industry um, or a particular field and in your field that is child acting or television. So I've got like a few questions here and I sort of want to see if as the resident expert, you feel like those are those things are myths or you feel like there are truths to that idea. So the first thing being is that um, a lot of people think that this is something that I think we spoke about the first time we met was that you are your character. Um, and I think just because sometimes you look like the person you portray, people assume that yeah. when they see you on the road, they're not seeing Deshaun Anderson, they're seeing Gideon Sneed. Is that true? Not at all. Not even in the slightest. Okay. I think I think almost every person I worked with on Hetty Feather, uh, yeah, they were nothing like their character. Absolutely nothing. Mm. So, it, it, and it, it used to make me laugh because you would film for you know months on end doing this role, and people sort mm. of that's all they see of you. That's all they see of you is that role yeah. on TV. And then they meet you in real life and you're, they're like, oh, no, you're, you're not Gideon. <laughs> you're a bit so different. different. <laughs> Something about <laughs> you is just that you look like him, but you don't sound like him. Or you're not like him. him. You're not really him. And it's, it was quite cute because, but in, in a sense, you kind of do get into character a bit, especially when they're really, really young. You do sort of mm. get into character for them. Like Eva was the best at doing that. When playing Matron, as soon as you got into a little kid, a kid came to her as a fan, she would instantly turn into Matron. And it was just, oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was, knowing, because when you know her actual character, you just, it brings mm. a smile on your face. But that's definitely, definitely a myth and it's not true. Great, off to a strong start. <laughs> so the next one is, and there's something that I think has so many layers in it, is that, a lot of the time when people feel like you have some sort of fame or popularity or commercial success, that's like the ultimate solution. It's like everything, once you've had an amazing role on an amazing show, your life is sort of complete. And like, you never have to worry about anything again because everyone knows you and you're like this amazing star. But thoughts and feelings about that? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is, that is I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a no-go. I, I think it helps, but then I think the moment you get that role, the reality will hit you. Because it's, it's not easy. Mm. Actors, especially child actors, they go for a lot of auditions and you get a lot of no's. Could be for any reason. Maybe the part isn't just for you, but you get a lot of no's. 
it's just everyone sees the roles you get and that's it but you don't, they don't see what you didn't get behind the scene this constant constant auditioning constantly developing mm. your craft and constantly being told no I was I, I was mm. quite thankful that earlier on I got a fairly big role which I was quite thankful with so I was happy but I, I went for so many auditions so many auditions that it sort of was a relief when you're getting certain roles because you work hard you work so hard and even adults they they go for 10 times out of what children go go to it's mm. constant auditioning constantly working maybe even possibly going for a long stretch of period without getting a job and having to go for something a bit smaller than your usual huge you know main character mm. development so that's a definite no-go for me i think no matter how famous you get in life there are constant no's and hard work and barriers and doors you have to push through in order to get the role you want and just out of interest how did you cope and how did you deal especially when you're quite young i can imagine that it can be quite difficult how did you deal with all of those situations where you would have worked hard for something and it's like sorry no not this time how do you cope um, with that i think you've got to find a way because it becomes normality at one point especially at quite a young age mm. i think it's quite hard i think i got used to it because my mindset was i'm sort of having fun i'm having fun with it i'm learning i'm meeting some new people as much as you know honestly say when you get close you might get to like the final three out of hundreds and you might not get it that those ones i think are the ones that really clench you but then at the same time you just think to yourself the role isn't for you something happened with a role is a reason mm -hmm. there must be a reason you don't know it yet the reason behind it this role isn't for you but then to be honest next couple of days something else might land on your lap so i always think never stress on a role too much because if it wasn't for yeah. you it wasn't for you and if you know you tried your best you know it's not your ability it's just you didn't mix for that role or they were looking for something else as long as you, you don't let it yeah. dampen you and think i must be rubbish no mm. it's i think it's i don't really think i did cope with it i think it just became normality it became think of this one all right i did enough time and well a lot of practice really to push for the best results mm. Mm. Oh, honestly, this has been like such a good round of advice, Cora. Thank you so much. Um, so you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when we met to talk about the show over Zoom, social distancing, guys, <laughs> when, when that happened, um, I think I told you something. I said, you know, I researched the show a lot, so if there's anything of interest on the internet. I'm a firm believer that if you know what you're looking for, you can find absolutely everything. Yeah. So I found some stuff. Oh. I did. Um, so surprisingly, Hetty Feather wasn't your first acting gig, wasn't it? It, it wasn't. wasn't. No. Because you made a few really good appearances, actually. One in 2013 on Truckers, and another one that is just... I'm so surprised we haven't even spoken about this. <laughs> 
first episode of season nine, The Magician's Apprentice, you played Ryan yeah. on Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, yeah. How many people get to see <laughs> that? That was an experience. And it wasn't a big role, but it was, it felt big to me, sort of thing. It felt mm. very huge to me. And I was like, I, you know, I met Peter Capaldi, who was playing Doctor Who. I worked in the scene with Jenna Coleman. Like it was, that was something where it was, it was a new level for me. Because I'd already been filming Heavy mm. Feather and I was, I, I was filming this mid-break and it was yeah it came out in may 2015 it's good you know because i did not remember that but it was it it, research yeah as you said it gets you many places um it was i was brilliant i think that's it, it was one of my one of my favorite experiences overall because it was a whole new set and the franchise for doctor who is crazy i was in one scene with three mm. or four lines and I had fan mail come into my house asking for signatures. No I, way. It was honest honestly, it was no way. crazy. And I was like, how do you even know my name? Because I'm way, way down in the credits. Very, very far <laughs> down. But it was the fan base, even when I got to to set the film midway during filming in the back of shot we had to stop because they found the set i don't know how but they found that way it was crazy it was such an experience being involved in something that has such a a huge following and i think obviously i I was very you know a blimp on the radar in that show but i felt it wasn't a blimp for me for me it felt huge and it was a completely different experience but one that oh i loved it (laughs) i really did love it See, like, honestly, like, family Christmas or family gatherings for you must be, like, so amazing. Like, oh, my God, Desha, what did you get up to? Yeah, just made the appearance in Doctor Who, and I just put <laughs> this amazing role on Eddie Feather. How are you doing? Like, honestly. Yeah. Uh, well, I, honestly, like, in all seriousness, you're so down to earth about all of this as well, which is just, like, so lovely. Thank you. I, um, I hope it's my character, really. Um, I think my family, (laughs) the way how I act about it is the way my family act about it. They're sort of very, I would say they're used to it by now. They ask me, you know, here and there, how is it going with it? And then it's all right, good. But the the one thing is that I do love about my family is they're very supportive. No matter what I'm in, they will make sure they tune in to watch me. No matter how small Mm. the part is, even if if it's showing the back of my head, let's say, they will make sure they they're tuned in, sitting there, ready to watch, and they will tell me they've seen it afterwards. That I think, I think really helps because along the journey, I have a lot of people who were behind me and were rooting for me. Mm. So, as much as to them it is normality, but it's never they're constantly with me throughout it, which I yeah. think was uh, was brilliant. And especially when you've got a mum like mine. It, it, they really does push. <laughs> Everyone will know what, what I'm in, <laughs> thanks to her. She's amazing. Like, I kid you not, I remember specifically, I, I, I must have been in like, let me do the maths properly, year six, year seven. And my mom texted me and she said, oh no, look, um, my friend just told me her son is on a show. Ivan, you have to watch it. She says, really good, you have to watch it, you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And I kid you not, like she, 
like she, she's so supportive and she's so like great and honestly it must be so nice having such a great support system oh, um, yeah. who've like helped you along the way how important do you feel it is for like any sort of young person who's sort of pursuing anything to have such a great like trying to avoid the word fan base because that sounds wrong yeah but like uh, yeah support system uh i think it's so important it's so important because especially mm. at that age it, it, it was it was hard work it was hard work yeah constant working um sunday to fridays you're, you're you know you're going down to filming and it takes a lot and especially because my mum mm. wasn't pushy she was saying yeah. as long as you feel comfortable i'm comfortable and mm-hmm. she would always you know and my mum's career yeah, she never she never pushed she never made me do something it was do you want to do this? Do you feel comfortable doing this? Great, do it. And if you do, mm. I'm 100% behind you. And I think that was the best thing for me, especially as a kid, because we're away from home for long periods of time, away from your parents. Yeah. So you need that sort of... And my mum my mom made sure, because she used to drop, she made sure she dropped me, she didn't have to, but she used to drop me to the hotel and pick me up every week oh that's so nice and she would come down i think it was it would be a wednesday every week and she would bring me a plate of home cooked food because she knew i'd be missing oh. it so it was constant <laughs> you living your life yeah <laughs> I, I was spoiled i was i was very much spoiled but it was constant support and I, i'm so thankful for it because it it, it lightened the load you wasn't alone sort mm. of thing you're not alone yeah. and it's not completely a new scenery because there was a sense of normality there and yeah that was my mum oh that sounds amazing um so i've got another game for you now this oh you're gonna hate me for this, <laughs> I'm gonna say this. um again i did some more digging right so, all right and this was i remember i remember i told my team about this yesterday i said oh yeah we're gonna do this in the episode and it sort of went where did you go to find this? I said, I just found it. So, you know, in July, you you and Isabel did, I think, a video with BAFTA Kids, um, with Place to Be. And I remember very simply, your words, not mine, yeah. that you were a fan of the Harry Potter franchise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm quoting correctly, aren't I? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Oh, so, yeah. The movies. So, the movies. you know, even... The movies, that's all good. I remember that the movies was good. Oh, I remember okay. something like that. And you didn't have a favorite film. No, I can't. I so can't. I didn't even put this together. So my shout out to Abby, um, who's on the team, um, who's amazing. She put uh, this quiz Abby. together. Um, so, so I haven't even, I haven't, like I only saw this about yesterday. So just for those of you listening at home, I only saw this yesterday. Bishan doesn't, didn't even know we were doing this. Actually. So this is very much on the spot very nervous so we're gonna start off really easy really easy all right okay there are about i think nine or so questions here so first first question as easy as it is what are the four houses at oh do you know okay obviously gryffindor slytherin hufflepuff and ravenclaw come on you can do this oh oh do you know oh sorry i said it hufflepuff Slytherin, oh, well, sorry. Gryffindor, and yep. Ravenclaw. 
There we go. First point. First point. Honestly, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, I think I will. All right. <laughs> you, you can do this. You can do this. All right. Okay, this is slightly harder. At Hogwarts, there's a game, and the game is called Quidditch. Yep. Now, to play Quidditch, it requires a golden ball with wings. What is the name of the golden ball? The snitch. The golden snitch. There we go. Two points. What have you got to be worried about? Like, <laughs> we're at question two. What have you got I'm, to be worried about? I'm still nervous. I think we're gonna, I'll wait until we get further in to feel secure. I mean, some of these are hard, but I told her to have fun. So, if it, if these are hard, it's not my fault. I'm, happy, guys. <laughs> I'm very um, happy. So, so the next question is, oh, this is a bit hard. Okay, you know, I'm not gonna ask. No, please. Let's do it. I want to hear. What's it. the name of the fourth? Sorry. What's the name of the fourth film? The fourth uh... film. It's also the name of the fourth book. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, Goblet of Fire. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Point three. Point three. Nice and easy. Okay, what is the name of Ron's dad? Ron Weasley. What's his name of his dad? Oh, what's his what's his name? We call him. They say Mr. Weasley, but his name. Oh, Ron. James. I think they mentioned it in one of the books. Oh, see, I haven't. I've only read some of the books. Um, but they probably mentioned it. Actually, no, the I think they, they would have mentioned it in the I'm film. sure they did, actually. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It starts with an A. That still doesn't help. I'm so annoyed I don't know this. Come on, start with an A. Give it a go. Uh, I'm gonna guess. And, um, oh, Mr. Weasley. Oh, it's gonna annoy me. I actually don't know. This is really bad. Arthur, Arthur Weasley. Oh my god, I knew that. <laughs> that is horrible. That's <coughs> horrible. I really knew that. That's mentioned multiple times in the movie. Oh. That is horrible. I do apologize to every He's... Harry Potter fan out there because that is horrible. I mean, you've got you still got three out of four, right? So it's not too bad. Not too bad. Um. Okay. Let's see. Still on the subject of the Weasleys. What is the youngest Weasley sibling called? Ginny. There you go. I know the Weasley's a bit. Right. <laughs> I didn't know the names, but I know, I know her. Right. Oh, this is hard. This is very hard. And I, I'm guessing this is a film thing, because okay. I don't remember this being in the book. Okay. Oh, this is cruel. <laughs> this is so cruel. I'm going to ask you this anyway. What is the color of Hermione's cat? Oh, is he ginger? Um, yes! Ginger, yeah. Yes! Okay, yeah. How, how did you get that? <laughs> I was thinking of... Who knows these things? Uh, what, what movie is it? Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. The cat makes a, a few appearances. It just came to mind. You know what film it's from? I do. I really do. <laughs> so you're a real man. I'm when she, I remember when she sent me this yesterday, I was like, how is anybody supposed to get this? By the colour of the cat? I was, I, I was, yeah, I've seen... I've seen High a few times. A few times now. Oh my god. You know, fun fact, I don't think I've watched... I think I've watched, I think, about... They're like... Ten films? There's eight. Or is it nine? Eight. Eight. There's, I'm miles off. Eight. <laughs> I think I've probably seen around like... Six. 
I need to like my goal. That was I remember when I was in year six. My goal was to make sure I watched all of the I think number six is uh, Half Blood Prince. Have you seen after there? No, I didn't. I didn't. This is so annoying. I didn't watch them in order, which oh, even no. makes it worse. No. I read the books in order. I read the book. I read all of the books in like the space of a month. I remember I loved the books so much. But then the films, I just, I just never, I just never got around to watching them. And when I did watch them, I watched them in like the weirdest order. So I'd start with like one, and then go to like six, then somehow I'd end up at like eight, and then oh, no. you'd see me watching Chamber of Secrets. It was the weirdest <laughs> order ever. Like a Star Wars right. order going on here or something like that. Like it was the biggest mess ever. Okay. Okay, this is good. This is good. So this is this is you should get this. Okay. Bellatrix and at one point in the movie, Bellatrix is torturing Hermione and carves an insult, a name, into her skin. Yeah. What was that? Mud blood. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I can picture it. I can picture it. Screaming. blood. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, the resemblance is uncanny. Yeah. If you don't know already, I'm a fan. <laughs> if you didn't, if you didn't mm. get that already. And also, Bellatrix was played by um, Helena Bonham Carter, who was just fan, amazing, so good. Everything she's done, just phenomenal. She's played like royalty, mm. and then you go and play Bellatrix. How did that happen? How do you have? And that then at one point, I think she played like. Sweeney Todd as well. She's so that good. She's crazy. But she's, yeah, she's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. She's amazing. All right, so next question. What is the name of Draco? I can't even speak. What's the name of Draco Malfoy's dad? Lucian. Or Lucian. Lucius? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, last question. Actually, yeah, it's the last question. This is a, this is hard. Actually, no, there are two more. Okay. I lied. It's out of ten. Okay. This is very hard. I'm excited. Well, this one is. You might get this one, and the last one is just ridiculous. What house is Luna Lovegood in? Oh, is she Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw? Um, I've got to think because she knew she's in Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah, They're, yeah. Because she knew about. But that's the thing. That, it never made sense to me. Because she gave up like Huffle, 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 Huff energy. <laughs> yeah, so that's like, why I was a bit confused for a second. I thought, oh, she really could be Hufflepuff. She's very soft-hearted. She's naughty. Yeah, it could have been, but it was only because she told Harry about uh, Ravina Ravenclaw died, and that I kind of remembered. Hmm. Okay, last question. Okay. This is. I've read, the, I've read all of the books. I've read, <laughs> I've read several of the books twice. I had no recollection of this. Okay, now I'm nervous. What is the name of Dumbledore's Phoenix? Oh. Yeah. Oh. What an odd question. What a random question. Thanks, Abby. This is out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. Honestly, it sounds it, it like it makes sense, but it's it's very it's like it's very odd. Like it would have been mentioned in the earlier films when I remember I, I'm just picturing the phoenix sort of tears dripping down thighs and healing Harry, but I can't. Oh God, I can't remember a name. I'm gonna give you a clue, please, because hmm, how obvious do I want to make this clue? Let's let's see. Phoenix, tell me a little bit about phoenixes. 
someone who knows a bit about phoenixes. No, tell me a little bit oh, about them. A phoenix, well, in Harry Potter. There's a keyword I'm looking for. Okay, they were red, like fiery sort of thing. Um, What's that word, fiery? Great. Yeah, they were fiery. I feel like okay. it's along so, that line. I'm guessing if you weren't out of school too much filming Hetty Feather, <laughs> yeah. I think this is like your history. I think you'll get this. Oh, no. Think about fiery in the context of history. What name pops out at you? Fiery in history. Um... My subject was maths, so let's just let me think about this <laughs> properly. Um, oh. This is like common knowledge. Like we, actually, that's too much of a hint. This is very common knowledge. If you think about, it's not technically a fire, but fire is involved. What should have been involved? Fire. fire, and in the context of history. In the context of history. Do you know how many fires there were in history? There's a load okay, of it's, a, it's like, it's like, okay, I'll give you a clue. It's a holiday that you celebrate. And it's also named after this person as well. If you don't get this, this is like, really with all of these clues. Oh, it's named. Oh, uh, let me think of the holiday. Summer. Uh, no, it's not holiday. Summer, uh, Christmas. Uh, I mean. I'm still not gonna get it. This is really bad. It's an, it's like it's like November time. November. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, <laughs> Come on. Fifth of November. Remember, remember. Um, fireworks night. What happens? What happens? Come on. What's it called? Who who is it? It's a name. Come on. What guy Fawkes? I can't tell you because otherwise. It- yeah, so what's the name of the what's the name what's the name of the Phoenix? Four was it fourteen? Yes! Okay. Yes! Okay. We got there in ah, the end. Ah, that took a while, but yes. We got there in the end, people. It's but like, but like, it's, it's so odd, but it so makes random. sense though. It makes a lot of sense. But where did that Very come random. from? Who knows? I think you gotta be a real diehard fan to know that, because I did yeah. not know. <laughs> Who knows this? I, I can recite the lines of Harry Potter, but I can't tell you the name of the Phoenix. I just can't like who walks that. around with all of this information in their head? Like, like what real life application oh, people really would you need do. to know what the name of the Phoenix would be? <laughs> well, apparently you do. If when speaking yeah, to apparently you. you do. <laughs> apparently oh my god, so Deshaun, that's nine out of ten. That's that's really impressive. Some of these questions are hard. They were very hard, but they, I started off really hard. Like, I remember when I took this. Like, 9 out of 10, that's like next to like getting all of them right. Like, I remember when I took this yesterday, I think I got like something very embarrassing, like 5 or 6. That's, that's, but, like, 9 out of 10, that's good. That's good because I think I do, that's good for not seeing the, all the movies properly. That's good. The show wrapped up. With such a cast, how hard was it saying, like, goodbye, like, this is the end? And I feel like. If you worked on something for a long time, it might it must have been a bit awkward to have been like, seeing you guys for five years. Why now? <laughs> like how, how how was that? Um it was both difficult but also natural because mm. the difficult part was for some people I'd been working with for six years. You know, I'd be gone through a lot within mm. those six years, and I, that's why I always, I always say they are like my second family. 
we've gone for a lot for, yeah. for within six years and you're with each other you stay in the same hotel you eat in the same restaurant you work on the same set you're essentially with each other 24 hours of that day so it's mm. very hard to then just say goodbye as much as you may you know stay yeah. in contact as much as you can things may happen you may you may speak less than you usually would but it's a complete turnover from being together all the time working joking around going through big triumphs in, in life to not it, it was it was hard it was definitely hard mm. especially when it gets to a point where you know you normally go back to filming and you would get in, in touch with certain people again but you haven't and you realize like a year's gone by two mm. years have gone by and you haven't actually spoken to them but then at the same time i felt we felt we definitely felt like it was uh the right time for it's ever to be drawn to a close yeah it, it felt natural it it was a lovely i thought it was a really nice emotional ending it was perfectly done as you said it's, it's a lot of shows they just push on and keep drawing they just yeah drag it out it, and we didn't want that at all and that's why i think it, it was the right time as much as it was a hard decision to do it was mm. the right decision so as question, it was hard but it was a it was a definitely the right thing and the natural course that direction to go into the question that i've got here is that well you're off at uni now you're 19 it would have been a long time since you started the show. 20 now the show actually, i'm 20. I'm no 20 way. now i'm an i'm an adult 20. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult he's an adult <laughs> 20. i know See, research fails you guys. Research does fail you. Twenty. All right. All right. Um. So, you know, you're at uni now. Are there? Do you feel like acting is something that you're going to continue to pursue? Is there anything in the future we're going to see Deshaun Anderson's name anywhere? Um. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. hopefully. Um. It's hard to do right now, obviously, during these current climate and the inconsistencies we have but um mm. it's it's definitely something that I, I i can't see myself stopping anytime soon as much as this yeah. wasn't you know I, I fell into this industry i fell in love with it as well so I, yeah I, I i don't see myself stopping now well maybe different mm. avenues maybe i might try i don't know voiceovers or I might try theatre or I, I just think I want to try and broaden it I just don't know in what direction yet but definitely definitely not mm. I, I can't see this being the end of me in this in this industry I love it too much please don't stop you're so good <laughs> you're honestly so good please don't say this you're making me smile <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's, it's, it's all the truth it's all the truth so um, I forgot what order things go in now. All right, I think I've got it. Um, final question. Yep. Final closing comment of the show, of the episode. For any young person who's considering um, starting um, like you, this, this, this show, not the show, this avenue or this industry, if there was one thing that you had to say and they're a bit unsure or they've just started or they're wondering how to start how important is the first step 
Um, it's, it's, I think it's quite important in a sense that it will give you an idea of what the industry is like. I think in that sense, mm. it will, you kind of, from your first few jobs or first few experiences, you'll kind of know whether this is for you sort of thing. It's not a sense of giving yeah. up, but you you know whether you like. If you've done a few jobs here and there and you've just been miserable the whole time, then you kind of know. But in the same sense, you, it, it's a it's a sense of reality because it, it, it shows you mm. how hard it actually is. Because it's, it's, oh, yeah. I applaud to any, any actor that can execute a show perfectly because it's, it's an extremely hard job. You miss out on a lot of things, and I like I didn't have I didn't mm-hmm. have a summer for six years. I didn't have a summer. Like it just it didn't have it. How did you cope? Uh, <laughs> I had weekends where I'd try my best and cram in any, everything I could, but it was yeah. You just mm. it's a lot of sacrifices. So I think you just have yeah. to be prepared for it. And if you're not prepared for it, your first few experiences will definitely prepare you for it. So I think it's very important to take everything you've learned in your first few experiences and apply it to any other job and the rest of your life within, not just that industry specifically, more just anything. The first few experiences are going to be an awakening, a rude awakening to let you know, okay, so it's this hard. It's not easy. No, people do... They deserve the praise they get. <laughs> they put in blood, sweat, and tears. So, I, as I said, if you're a young person mm. who wants to be in this industry, really do analyze it. Think about what part of the industry do you want to be in, because there's so many different parts. So many different. Whether you want to be in the front of it, behind it, there's so many different aspects to it. Um, you need to definitely be sure about it. Have done your research. Be sure about it and then see the avenue in which you want to go and follow it through. As I said, hard work, follow it through. So I think it's very, it's very first few instances are very, very important. Mm. Honestly, thank you so much for joining me here today. Joshua. Thank you for having Amazing. me. You've, you've given like so much advice that I think is so useful to not only me, but to everyone listening at home as well. Um, guys, as we say at the end of every episode, um and i've been saying since season one trying to have some sort of conversation you know the world is going through so much stuff right now and i feel like the best way that we can learn become better people um and just know more about each other is just by having conversation yeah um whether that's a conversation about or in a conversation interview style like we've just had or conversation where you sit with your friends and talk about like your favorite shows what it is is that conversations at worst are informative and at best are enjoyable so i think what it is is just keep having conversations through conversations people change the world and have impact um and honestly guys thank you guys so much for joining us again for another week you guys have been amazing thank you guys for continuing to support the show this has been the being alive podcast a weird weekly podcast from even weirder boy and hopefully we'll see you guys again next week thank you guys so much Bye bye